0: Welcome, listeners, to episode 89 of DC Comics News Podcast. I'll be your host this go-round. My name is Kendra Hale, and joining me to discuss all of the newest happenings in the DCU is my colleagues Brad Filicke. Hello. And this Kelly Gain. Hey, guys. Now, the first story that we're going to go over and kind of discuss is, is actually two of them. Um, We've seen a lot of news coming out from D.C. that they're moving a lot of dates around when it comes to the bigger movies. And some of the ones that were affected were ones like The Flash, um, of course, The Batman, Black Adam. What do you guys
1: think about that, about all these date changes that they're doing, Brad? You know, I think that this is uh, to be expected. We're still... You know, getting back on track with movie releases, and this is just going to keep happening. Uh, Regal just decided that they were going to close down theaters for the rest of the year in America. So things like that, uh, this is just not uh, not surprising. And it's just it, it, you know, it's just a bummer because I, I was really looking forward to being able to see Batman like a year from now, and it looks like it's just going to be a little bit longer into March. So. We'll see, but I just think it's something that we have to kind of roll with in these, you know, uncertain COVID times. Uh, Kelly?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's understandable. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, the fact that, yes, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those hopeful scenarios when you're thinking of, oh, well, this will be one of the first movies I get to see in theaters again and whatnot. Or, But I, this is just the way it is right now. There's not... Uh, I mean we we just don't really have a a set end for when things will get back to normal after covid or when there will be an after covid so I mean at this point I think it's just better if uh you know if Warner Brothers feels that they're keeping people safer by um delaying productions or or kind of putting these stops in where they have to I mean it's it's all for the best I would much rather have to wait an extra couple months to to see a movie than uh you know, find out that there's some sort of secondary breakout around one of these sets. What about you, Kendra?
0: I, I'm i I'm in the same boat. I mean, I like that they're taking the health and well being of their employees as well as as the actors and production teams into account. I like that, especially since we've seen several instances where there's been productions that have had to be, you know, closed down or moved back or it's it's completely shut it down for months because of covid so i do like that i think the only thing that gives me a little pause is while we're getting to see tentative dates for ones like the flash and shazam um fury of the gods and and batman we don't really get a specific date for black adam they've actually done it as undated meaning they're not sure when it's going to release did you guys did you guys have any thoughts about that
1: one grab i think that uh we will be okay with black Adam. I think we will get a release date. I don't think it's going to be canceled. I think, um, I I think between the power that the rock has to get these projects moving forward and the uh, good buzz that it got through fandom, I think, I think we'll be set. We just may have to wait a little longer and you know, to be honest, the, the, these release dates that they just released could be changed too. We don't know. So, but I, I think I'm pretty optimistic though that we will see Black Adam. Uh, Kelly?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I they, they can't let the Rock down at this point. That, that's like, yeah. I mean, he's the Rock. You can't make him unhappy. And I, I mean the the teaser, um, you know, the, the sort of concept trailer we saw at Fandom was so cool, and I feel like it got people who maybe weren't that interested in Black Adam more interested. Um, I, I think it's it's one that I've seen pop up that people have shared on social media who didn't seem to have any any kind of interest in it before. So I I don't think that we have to worry about the fact that they're not setting specific dates right now because it just you know, it turns into one of those things where every week it's like, all right, we're back another two weeks and three weeks and four weeks. And, you know, it's it's just instead of putting a moving target out there, just saying, you know, we will get there when we get there might be the the better option.
0: I actually really like that, especially with, um, like I said, with all of the dates that have been moving. And it's not that, you know, I have I have like this real super I mean, I do I have the want to see the movies. But I want to see everything done safely. I don't want my, my joy or any fan's joy to come at the expense of the employees. But on the flip side of that, one of the other news stories that we have is that Patty Jenkins is still set for the theatrical release of Wonder Woman to go according to the date that was set on September 11th. Um, for it to, to premiere on Christmas, on December 25th. Uh, do you guys think that they'll they'll be able to keep that date? What did you guys think of the announcement, Brad? Uh,
1: I hope so. Um, I, I I do feel that this is a film that really needs to be seen on the big screen. So I don't I don't want them to have to release it on demand if they can help it. But you know, with things are you know the way they are, it's just really hard to say. And everybody wants to see this film and I think that Patty Jenkins wants everybody to see it. So it's just a matter of getting that perfect storm of uh, where it could make the most money for Warner brothers where the most people can see it and fans and everybody is the happiest. So, and that includes the film, you know, that includes Patty herself wanting it to be seen the way she wants it to be seen. So I, I, I'm really fingers crossed that we can see this in, in the, on the big screen uh, on the flip side of that, if it does go to on demand, this would be one of the few movies that I would consider spending $20 to see. So, so we'll see. Uh, Kelly.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with, with both sides of that statement that if it was on demand, either way, I would still, um you know, I would still pay to see it. Um, But I, I think uh, unfortunately movie theaters are suffering so much during COVID and it's unfortunate because I, I'm thinking just even in the, the theaters around where I live now in Philadelphia and um, where my parents live in New Jersey, they remodeled them in, the, in recent years to have, you know, these huge recliner seats and everything. And I feel like they could really utilize that sort of theater space now if they figured out exactly like, so say we only put instead of 10 people in a row four or five people in a row and space it out properly. I feel like you can do that without having to put people in a dangerous situation. It would probably be a lot of effort, but, you know, I, I mean, we can see these bigger movies in theaters and kind of have that larger experience, but still do it safely. Um, You know, and I I keep seeing things about drive-in theaters, which in December might be a little bit crazy, at least, you know, on the East coast or anywhere where it gets cold. So I mean, maybe they don't have as many options as we would have had if we were looking at a summer release, but I I mean, I do hope it goes to theaters, because it, it's unfortunate to see, you know, Brad, like you were saying, with Regal closing down and whatnot, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a rough time for people on that end of the entertainment industry as well, so, you know, if, if it does go straight to on-demand, I'll see it, but I would love to see it in theaters, and my hope would be that even if, you know, it premieres on-demand, um, that once things are safe again and theaters open up, maybe they'll do a theatrical release. Cause I would definitely go back and watch something in theaters if I liked it. Um, Yeah. It just, we'll, we'll just have to play it by ear, but I keep that. I I really hope that keeps that date. Kendra.
0: I, I agree. I really do hope so. I mean, I know that in her, her Twitter response, Patty Jenkins said that currently there's absolutely no talk of it going to a streaming service or it going the way that Disney did with Mulan and and coming into uh, as, as a buy-in for, for subscribers or for non-subscribers who were, who were guesting. I mean, I like those ideas just because in the middle of a pandemic, they do seem safer. But like you said, Kelly, if they're able to space it out, I don't see why if I can go to a Friday night football game where they've got the bleachers sectioned off it wouldn't be the same type of thing for a movie theater, except for the enclosed space. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe have less, less people in there or do, do ticket sales to see, you know, maybe testing the want in your, your local area. And I mean, that's, that's an idea that might work. I don't know, but I do hope that they're able to keep it for theatrical release. I think that that would be really nice for the fans to end the year on that. Um, now speaking of of the movies themselves, we've brought up the Batman, which has a, a March twenty second tentative date for release um, in twenty twenty two. They actually brought up that they are doing shooting uh, in in a location for for the Batman, for uh, Anfield Cemetery, where they're they're doing that. And we're seeing a lot of of social media where we get to see little hints and tricks that you know they're doing. Like we had the cinematographer for. Uh, The Snyder Cut, who's reshooting some of them, do a blue screen to tease fans. What did you guys think about either of those, Brad? Uh,
1: As as far as the Batman goes, uh, you know, they said they're asking the public to please stay away because of COVID. And I I just I I really hope that they do, because I don't want to see something happen like happened earlier where they had to shut down production again because there were positive tests so i hope that they can continue filming and get this done because i really want to be able to see this uh in in march of 2022 which now seems so far away so i just i i, I am glad though that they are being able to film and and as far as the justice league goes you know i i love the idea that they're filming more uh But it's the same thing is that I hope that um, these productions don't have to shut down and that, you know, this gets delayed as well, because it looks like we're going into 2021 with all these delays that that the Snyder Cut may be one of the biggest superhero movies, if not the biggest superhero movie of 2021. So I hope that, you know, that that doesn't get delayed as well. Uh, Kelly?
2: Yeah, um, I agree. And I I think. If anything, um, you know, my hope with the kind of distant dates that they're setting for these, and especially, you know, Batman, now we're looking at 2022. And I mean, that, that is far away. That is well over a year out. But my my hope would be that they're sort of setting these distant timeframes. So it, they're, they're maybe accounting for another possible shutdown at some point, you know, that maybe it's not this... Uh, you know, it's not like, all right, well, if we get everything on track right now, that's the earliest possible date, but maybe they're giving themselves leeway just in case we have to shut down again, just in case, you know, and it, it is good that I think once they know that their staff is clear and they have the go ahead to go and film somewhere and do it safely, um, you know, just getting as much of the movie as they can get filmed and actually produced done now, because, uh, you know, who knows what six months from now is even going to look like. Um yeah, it's I like that they're still moving forward. Um, and my hope would be I I think well I I I'm going to once again be the pessimist here, but I, even though you can't necessarily trust people to be responsible as far as COVID guidelines and hey try not to get other people sick. Um, they're 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 filming in the UK and maybe over there you know it's it's not as hard to tell people like no just wear a mask, stay away. Don't go on set. <laughs> yes. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, as again, as long as they're safe and as long as we get to see this movie at some point, I can forgive all of the little time glitches in the meantime, because, I mean, this year has just walloped us all. Uh, Kendra, what do you think?
0: I agree. I mean, this 2020 has been a doozy, and I don't think there's a person out there who can't say it hasn't been. Um. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that this shooting is resuming. I'm, I'm really excited to see that, you know, with all of the hype that's been going on with the Snyder Cut, that we're getting to see that there is potential movement forward for it, so that when the release comes out, it just it keeps building up that hype. So I, I really am excited to see that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I guess the best thing to do is just to cross our fingers, because it could go one of two ways, and hopefully it goes the good one. When it comes to the next piece of information that we got, the next news bit, this one is actually one of my favorites. It's the Marvel vs. DC, um, the, the little short clips that are coming, little episodes that are coming to uh, the streaming service Quibi. Um, usually about nine to ten minutes in length, so it's, it's a little bit different. It's kind of like watching a YouTube video almost, but it's going to be based on a book by Reed Tucker, um, and it's called Slugfest, inside the epic 50-year battle between Marvel and DC. And what was cool about this is that we got to see that at, NY, um, at the New York Comic-Con, it was revealed that Kevin, Kevin Smith is going to be doing the narration for these shorts. And I, it's supposed to be an in-depth, so I'm super excited to see what they're going to bring to that. What about you guys, Brad?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. It's it's I think it's an idea this time has come. I'm surprised there hasn't been a documentary about this before. Because uh, it is one of the most, you know, popular, well-known uh, kind of fights or, you know, rivalries ever. So it, it, it's about time. And I am curious to see how they pull it off in these short video formats. Um, I, I have watched some Quibi shows that I've actually liked, and but they haven't been documentaries. So uh this uh this should be kind of fun and i think kevin smith is the perfect host and i've been kind of fighting watching the first episode because they played it at the panel but i think i'm going to go back and watch it and just uh kind of to get to get excited about it kelly
2: yeah <laughs> i i very much want to see this and i think my initial thought reading this article was like what is quibi why is there another Thing that I have to download to watch things on. I have, I there's so many <laughs> streaming services I have right now. I I think I spend more time, like, you know how you spend a lot of time on Netflix looking for something to watch? Now I'm just, like, hopping between apps, like, okay, which app is most likely the one that has something that I want to scroll through on? It's very frustrating. But <laughs> this this documentary might make it worth it because this is such an interesting story, and it's so... A, kind of deeply entrenched in comic book fans. Like, I, I think deep down everyone has a, a preferred favorite, even if they love both. Everyone has the one that they kind of lean to more out of Marvel and DC. Um, and I I mean, it, for me, it's always been DC, but, you know, it's it's still fun to know the history and it's fun to kind of look at, uh, you know, how that rivalry developed. And not only that, I remember when, um, when uh, Stan Lee passed away, it was a big deal for DC and for DC fans too that, you know, DC came out and made statements and so did a lot of um, creators and and artists and writers who work for what would have been the opposite side, which I think is a really good... uh, It's it's like a bright spot on the horizon that not every, you know, huge, long historical rivalry has to be like this, we hate you for everything. that you can be a rival and still have... You know, some common human decency and respect is I if anything, that's a great example to have because uh yeah, I mean I, I was really kind of heartwarmed, I guess, to see that, you know, even though we have this huge history of, you know, so and so suing over this character is too much like that character, yada yada. It's it they, they still have that base respect because they share fans. Uh, what'd you think, Kendra?
0: I like that too. I like to see that we're getting like almost a behind-the-curtain sneak peek of this beef that has been going on between these two rival comic company producers for forever. Not only the characters, but I'm also hoping we get an insight into some of the stuff between the creators and and the owners. I mean, I think that that would be something really cool. It would be like watching Jim Henson and Jim Henson go at it with Stan Lee or with Disney. I would love to see it. So I'm here for it because I want to see... And know all of the information, but that was that was the last one for uh, for the movie updates, and then we get to move into TV TV information that we've learned, news that has come across for DC. And the first one features a company that all of us have been keeping an eye on for the Harley Quinn series with HBO Max, and they finally made an announcement that they're going to have their Green Lantern uh, Green Lantern season one go straight to into the series. Uh, ten, 10 episodes at an hour long apiece. And we get to see that they're beefing up over at HBO Max, their library for a DC original series. Are you guys as excited as I am, Brad?
1: Yeah, this is very good news because so much of this had seemed like simple rumors at the time. Like it's For me, it's one of those things where I believe it when I see it. And this is a definite positive note because it means that this is definitely happening not only that but it's ordered straight to series so that is a really good sign it's probably a really good sign that they you know that the powers that be like like the scripts and like the stories so
2: yeah i'm I'm excited about this Uh, kelly yeah this looks awesome um and i definitely uh I'm, i'm excited to see hbo max kind of get a bigger um, library of, of DC content, because right now it's, it seems like a a lot of things have gone over from DC universe to HBO max, Um, but not everything. And it's still sort of, you can watch through most of the DC content that's there pretty quickly. Um, and, and this show just looks awesome. It seems like they're going to focus on a really, um, you know, kind of a, a wide range of green lantern stories. Um, and yeah, I I really do want to see this. And I also I I think one of the things that I've mentioned frustrates me is we'll see new DC content coming out, but it'll you know be like, well, this one's going to the CW or this one's going to uh, you know, whatever else and it's like, well, what but what about HBO Max cuz we all hopped over to HBO Max and it's still, you know, not everything's going there. So the fact that they're kind of outwardly creating this content, saying, you know, this is this is what we're making, this is when it's coming out, this is you know, it, this is its home, is, I, I think, it makes me feel a little bit better about just the entire, you know, what streaming service is what debacle. Uh, what about you, Kendra? I mean, I, I, like I said, I agree with you guys. I'm excited not only to see that
0: they're, they're building up their library, but it's also with original content or continuing great series like, like Harley Quinn, like Doom Patrol. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see everything. So, I mean, It gives hope. It gives hope that these series are going to continue, that they're in a good place where they're going to have the freedom not only to tell the stories that they want to, but to give the fans the great services that they've been doing when it comes to these shows. So I really, really am excited, especially since they're an hour long. I mean, that in itself, I'm just like, okay, let's do it. But the next bit of news is is one that that has kind of had a had a shadow over it since since you know the break of the story, and that was Ruby Rose coming out and giving a little bit more information, at least a little bit more meat on the bone of why she chose to leave
1: uh, playing playing Batwoman. Brad, what did you think about the news? Uh, I think there wasn't a whole lot of meat on those bones even now. Um, but I, I think the one positive thing about her leaving, and this has been, you know, this way from the from the beginning, is that they they really seem to still respect each other. The production, the uh, the rest of the cast and crew and her, it looks like, you know, there wasn't a lot of animosity. And I really like that she said that she's excited to watch season two. So it's It's just good that it's that it wasn't on necessarily super bad terms that she left. So that's kind of that's kind of refreshing. Uh, Kelly.
2: Yeah, I I still have a lot of respect for Ruby Rose, because I think even even though it was disappointing to see her leave the show and it was kind of confusing. um, I think it's better that she came to the conclusion that maybe this wasn't exactly where she wanted to be. Um, you know, I'm parted somewhere where it's early enough in the existence of the show that we can accept a new character coming in. And even though, I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge to between season one and season two have to sort of change the, uh, you know, the the meat of the actual story. But if anything, I mean, if she was feeling, you know, less, uh, less able to play character or less interested in being the character. I'd rather her, you know, step away, be honest about it, let us start over with someone else instead of, um, you know, maybe just hanging on for another season would have made tension on set worse, would have made, you know, whatever internal things they were dealing with harder. Um, so it, it is disappointing that she went, but I'm still very excited to see season two. And I I do also really respect the fact that there is this kind of I I wouldn't say not well yeah I mean a total lack of animosity it seems like there's no uh you know it's not like a a Ray Fisher kind of situation where something happened and you know people are are upset that it's kind of this wasn't right for her she walked away they found a new star and we're all good we're cool (laughs) what about you Kendra
0: well, first of all, because I actually, I'm I'm really glad that I'm the one doing this because I have a lot to say about this one. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I first of all, I I also agree with both of you, and I I respect fully that there is this lack of of anger or resentment in any any form that it didn't turn into like with the Buffy cast with Sarah Michelle Gellar, and there wasn't this just like huge wedge that didn't seem like it should be there between the actors and the studio. So I I do. I do appreciate that. That being said, I remember when this one broke, I had just the day before, and I kid you not, just the day before, talked with our own Steve J. Ray about doing the reviews and taking over the reviews uh, for Batwoman for Dark Knight News for season two. And I remember being so excited. I was like, you know, I hadn't thought about watching the show yet, but if I'm going to do season two, I want to go back through and, and watch season one. So that way I'm up to date. And the very next day when I had sat down to watch this, this show was when the news broke that she had left. And it just kind of put me right in the middle because I was like, well, do I do I still want to watch all of season one and then go into season two with this new actor who's who's becoming this, you know, taking up the cape? Is it going to feel believable in the way that they transition it from Ruby Rose's Batwoman into into the new actress, Miss Leslie, I believe her name is? Um, and that's where I just kind of got stumped. I'm just, and I still feel stumped because I don't know if it's worth it. And there's so much like for me, at least as a new person coming into it, there's this haze that's over it because do I even want, I don't want to say waste my time, but do I even want to pick it up when it's going to change so drastically? And I already know that it is. So, I mean, what about you guys? Did you guys watch the Ruby
1: Rose season, Brad? Uh, I watched most of it. I still have to catch up. I did like it, though. Um, you know, I, I, it wasn't a matter of not watching it because I didn't like it. I just haven't had a chance to go back and, and get all the way caught up. Kelly?
2: Yeah, same. I am. Um, I'm. I i don't know exactly what episode I'm at. I was trying to actually count it out in my head. But I'm, I would say I'm about halfway through the Ruby Rose season. And I think I stopped watching it a little bit before. Mm, Yeah, I think, I think I stopped watching a little bit before the COVID shutdown and it was just purely, uh, you know, I had other things on, on my list that I was a little bit more involved in to watch. So I think internally, I, I'm not so deeply attached to the character yet that I, you know, feel like there's going to be this huge rift when they change her because it's like, well, I've seen, you know, maybe five, six episodes. I haven't seen, uh, you know, it's not like I've been watching her for seasons and seasons. Um, so it's you know it's it's one of those things where I'm like all right well I did five episodes with one Batwoman I could try five episodes with another one why not um, but yeah I, I do see what you're saying Kendra it's it's definitely a weird position for a show to be in it is really hard for um, a, any television series to transition from a certain cast that people have gotten used to into another one so it's uh, we're I think I'm gonna play it by ear personally but I. I'm not so attached yet that I feel like I'm losing too much.
0: I think that's good advice to take. I really do. I mean, and and I'm I'm pretty good at being unbiased. I mean, I I really am. It was just one of those where I was like, well, this is a lurch I don't want to be in. <sighs> but <laughs> I mean, it, it it'll be what it is. I'm glad, like I said, I'm really glad that they don't have any kind of animosity towards each other. I'm glad that she's gone on to do other projects that she seems like she's much happier with. And, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what needs to happen. If she's happy and they're able to move forward and it's still good, I'm completely fine. But moving forward, DC went ahead and said that they are go- they made an announcement that they're going to be doing a step into the preschool market when it comes to some of their, their animated series. And the first one that's going to be released is one called Bat Wheels. And if you've read any of the comics as adults that will be listening to this, you've you've heard or you've seen the bat animals or the super animals. And now we have super cars for preschoolers where we get to see like the Batmobile and the Batgirl cycle that are going to be doing adventures. And I'm sorry, but I think this is absolutely
1: adorable. Brad? Yeah. Yeah, me too. If I had, preschool age children i totally get them to watch this um so i could kind of check it out to see what it was all about too uh it's kind of like a guilty pleasure yeah this seems like a it seems like a perfect idea it's kind of like with that documentary it's like why hasn't this been tried before so yeah i I think kids will uh, will love this uh kelly
2: yeah absolutely uh (laughs) this this looks so cute um And it's funny because when I when I was a kid, the movie Cars came out and I remember loving the first movie. But then about a year or two later, just, I guess, becoming mentally, I don't know, more aware of reality and just getting older. I remember being like, huh, well, where are all the people? Why are these cars talking and like (laughs) deconstructing it for myself? And I'm glad that I've come back to a place where, again, the talking cars are just cute and I'm just going with it because this looks so fun, like a, a talking Batmobile that does its own adventures, like that's awesome that is that is ridiculous and awesome and if if I did have young kids, I would absolutely be showing them this. It is so cute.
0: I'm really glad to see that we get d c kind of really thinking outside of the box. I mean, we get to see them doing the black label, which is the much more mature storytelling with for adults and then now we're getting to see them kind of attack on on all different target markets which is really cool um especially since this like you said kelly these cars are so stinking cute i'm just like all right (sighs) but it makes me wonder because you you brought up how when you became a year older you looked back at cars and were like why did i find this intriguing why was this funny (laughs) And it reminds me of that meme that's been going around on Facebook, and it has been for a while, but it's the one where the guy asks you, well, you look at a bowl of tricks, and it used to look like fruit. What if the reason you no longer see the fruit is because you grew up and tricks are for kids? And I'm like, you know what? (laughs) So you have a point. (laughs) Especially when I hear you say that about cars, I'm just like, okay. Maybe that's what it is. We no longer find it funny anymore. <laughs> but now we are to uh we're to our ad break.
3: This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt ...to rate, review, score the top 5 books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top 5 books. Can't wait to share them with you, and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spitter Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show Celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night.
1: My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher.
3: Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent
2: relevant since 1966. Oh, look, go And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the battle me, Nods. I definitely do not f that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For f's sake, I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers.
3: Mmm. Educational and informative.
0: All right, now we get to move from television news into comic news, which I know excites all of us. So the very first one is one that I know is, is a huge excitement. It, it's just, oh, just give it to us already kind of moment. And that is that Tom King came forward and said that the new Watchmen spinoff, Rorschach, is going to be what's happening to us. It's going to be his, his writing take on what's happening now in, in the real world. Uh, what do you think, Brad? Are you excited to see them take that portrayal?
1: Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that makes the Watchmen Watchmen, no matter sequels, original series, or whatever it may be, is how it relates to what's going on in the world at the current time. Original Watchmen was such a brilliant deconstruction not only of superhero fiction but also of the politics of the 80s. And I could say the same thing about the Watchmen show how it deconstructed what a superhero show could be and also what you know a lot of the racial divide is going on in America and things like that. So if this series didn't address current events, I think that it wouldn't necessarily feel so much like a Watchmen story. So I'm glad that they came out and kind of really, you know, confirmed that. But yeah, I'm super psyched
2: to read this first issue. Uh, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Brad, like you were saying, it's Watchmen is such a pointed political deconstruction. I mean, it, it just fit perfectly. Alan Moore's original book back in the 80s, um, it fits perfectly. The show we saw on HBO. Um, this, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this book. I think I'm both anxious and excited in, in equal measure and just anxious because sometimes it is really difficult to sort of look reality in the face. Um, you know, it's, we we've said earlier, it's been a heck of a year And we are living in some pretty intense times. But if anything, um, you know, Watchmen is a story that comes out of uh, a volatile political and social time period. And it comes out of that tension and that anxiety and fear and worry. And what does that do to people? And what does that do to our idea of what it is to be a hero? Um, You know, and especially with the way things have been in the news recently, you know, you see people who genuinely step up and act as heroes. You see people who think that they're acting as heroes and are actually being completely evil. And it's just, it's a terrifying but honest reflection of the way humanity really is. That sometimes we take things to extremes that don't have to be extremes. And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes a, a real just widespread Fear can start to turn people into things that they're not. So I'm really interested to see how Tom King uh, creates this new Rorschach and what that character is going to say about where we are right now. Because uh, you know, it's even if reading Watchmen the first time I read it, I I remember thinking, you know, I we're not in the middle of the Cold World the Cold War anymore, and I'm still freaked out by this. Like I still don't like watching that clock get closer to midnight. Um, so I, I think a modern countdown like that will just be terrifying and awesome. What about you, Kendra?
0: I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm I'm completely enthralled with any news that comes out about about the new Watchmen series, especially when, it, when it's this one. I mean, Tom King has already had such an amazing run with Heroes in Crisis. I mean, we've gotten to see that he can definitely do broken when it comes to somebody who's either in the anti-hero or hero in this case um in that role when it came to heroes in crisis so i mean seeing his writing there lets me know that giving him rorschach is going to be like putting him in the middle of a ball pit and just letting him go like just have fun with it and and run with it and i'm excited to see what him and the artists will bring to this especially since it's going to be Black Label, which gives them even more freedom and, and should be where Watchmen is concerned. But with the next one that we got, it is uh, the Wonder Woman 1984, the comic series, the variant covers that we got a sneak peek at.
1: Brad, did you have a favorite? I don't know if I had a favorite. I, I really like them all, and it's just – it's. Just the, these covers are just such a perfect example of de- to demonstrate exactly why Wonder Woman is such an iconic character. Even the covers that are made to you know look like Al Godot and the ones that are the more traditional Wonder Woman, they just they all capture that that classic look and the classic power of the character. So I
2: I like all of them. I'm not exactly sure if I would pick a favorite, Kelly. Yeah, I I mean these look. Amazing. And I always mention my comic book wall, but I mean, it's, it's so much of it is Wonder Woman. And after these come out, it's going to be a lot more Wonder Woman. Um, I think and actually I, I do have a favorite. The um, I think it's the second or third one in she has the it's a more comic book looking, less Gal Gadot version. Uh, but with the lasso kind of big and gold and shiny and, you know, completely in the foreground. I I mean, she is just such a visually cool character. All of the, um, you know, everything that makes her a compelling character aside, just visually Wonder Woman always looks awesome. Um, And especially the covers that have been coming out, I think, since Rebirth are all so gorgeous. So this is I mean, I I love it. And I probably will have at least four of these on my wall when they come out. (laughs) What about you, Kendra?
0: I'm excited. It's Wonder Woman. I'm in the same boat. I'm excited to see all
2: of the stores
0: having all of the merchandise because we know it's not just going to be limited to comic book covers. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of stuff coming out, not only for the movies, but for the comics. So, I'm just I'm I'm bound and determined and have come to terms with the fact that the end of 2020 is just going to be, take my money. Take it all. And give me all my comic stuff. But the next one is a little bit confusing to me, and and it's, I, I don't know, I will have to, to help my own judgment when I hear what you guys have to say, but we got an announcement from DC that they're going to be pushing back and postponing the pr- the plans uh, to do the reprint on Gen, uh, Gen 13's origin story. It's going all the way being pushed back to 2022, which Brad, like you said earlier, is forever. <laughs> Um, And for a comic, it just strikes me a little weird.
1: Like, I I can understand the movies, but what did you think, Brad? Yeah, this is a little strange. Um, I don't see what the point would be unless there is something planned that we don't know about with these characters, you know, that would kind of make sense to push it back. So I'm just not sure. Um, I, I am interested in this collection. Now These characters are a bit dated. But when I first moved to New York uh, from Ohio, my my roommate for a while was Jason Johnson, and he did some art on Gen 13 over the years. And I don't know if any of his art is being reprinted in these, but it's kind of it'll be kind of fun to me to revisit these characters because it's 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 been a while. So in that sense, I'm kind of bummed that it was pushed back, but uh, I'm I'm glad it wasn't completely taken off the the schedule uh kelly
2: yeah i i think it is odd that it's such a long delay um yeah that that definitely struck me as weird but i you know it's it's not a series that i'm very familiar with i've i've heard of them i've seen um you know i've seen some of these characters before but i I don't think i've ever read any of gen 13 um so it's it's strange and it's something that I, I will consider picking up when it does come out. But it I mean, yeah, if, if it's a reprint, I do kind of wonder why it would take, you know, over over a year to reprint something. But I mean, you, you there's a lot going on right now, so I won't fault anyone for any of the delays. What about you, Kendra?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm in the boat of that. I mean, I mean, I like that we wouldn't necessarily I don't know if I'd be mad about a delay but it's in the back of my head I'm also like well wait a minute if this is a reprint of a story it's already been done is there maybe something where there's a time lapse of a contract that has to go before they have permission to do it I mean I, I don't know if that would be what would cause the delay where it would have to go all the way back to mm-hmm. 2022 for a reprint it's just it That'd boggles me a little bit so, I mean, that's for me, that's the only thing I could think of. I mean, yeah yes, I under, absolutely understand the COVID worries and concerns, but on a reprint,
1: the work would already be done, wouldn't it? Uh, presumably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another thing that struck me strange, too.
0: Actually why I'm just like, okay, well, but if it's already there, maybe there's extras. Maybe they're doing something like you see a lot with Kickstarter where they add more content to it that wasn't there maybe some interviews with creators or maybe they're looking for to add extra like sketchbook pieces into it. But it's just one of those where I'm like, okay, but why? Like I could (laughs) see maybe next year, but why, why 2022? It's like a couple months ago when it was all October. Now it's all 2022.
2: Hmm. You know, it's the safe deadline. Two years down the line. (laughs) 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 Oh Lord. What world will we be living in in 2022? I don't know, but I know we're going to be referencing this episode. (laughs) Like, you remember
0: all those hopeful joys? What happened?
2: Please (laughs) let some of them come true, my God. (laughs) Right? But
0: the next one is a little sad, so I'm glad we had a little moment of levity there for a second. Because with all the hits that, that comic book retailers have been facing with COVID and with distributions and pushback dates... UK, um, one of the distributors for Diamond out in the UK was robbed, and they had to shut down production. So this doesn't necessarily affect any of us here in the States, but for, for people like Steve J. Ray, their comic book delays might might happen for a day or two since they won't be able to reopen until Tuesday. Brad, what do you think about the news?
1: Yeah, what a way to kick kick comic collectors when they're down. This is just crummy news. All around. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe the break in, they didn't take as much as they originally thought they took, to get some kind of, you know, comfort from, you know, what happened. But this is just really, really crummy. What do you gain by robbing a comic distributing warehouse? It just makes makes no sense.
2: Uh, Kelly? Yeah, this this kind of makes me angry because if you're if you're a comic book fan, then I think you would understand that we're already in a terrible situation from COVID and 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 stores are already struggling. We're already having a hard time. So why would you do something like that? And if you're not a comic book fan, then why like why would you rob a comic book warehouse? What I, it it just doesn't make sense. And like I I don't know. It, it's such a pointedly cruel crime to do it at this stage in just the world. I mean, everything has been delayed. So the stuff that can get out, the fact that, you know, we can keep books on shelves and keep stores open and keep fans reading, that should be a victory in and of itself. So the fact that someone would then take it upon themselves to uh, disrupt the little bit of a working system we actually have going is just, I, I mean, if we were on the Harley Quinn show, I would have a lot of extra words for what that is. But I, I mean, it's just rude and terrible. And I, I really hope they figure out who did it and why. Um, and I mean, I like I, I just can't see the value in it unless you want the books to then resell on, you know, resell elsewhere or something like that. But it just doesn't. I don't know. I It's just bafflingly terrible. What about you, Kendra? I
0: also wish that we could have a mulligan, but I know Josh would all yell at us. So no mulligan, (laughs) no cussing. We're not on Harley, but I mean, I just, it makes me so mad. It's, it's, it's like, it's like the people who, when, when the COVID first hit and the pandemic first started coming down, the ones that were out buying all the toilet paper, all of the paper towels, all of the Clorox wipes and hoarding it. And then, reselling it on on local local shops or you know like on the facebook groups and it's just you know it's just it's deplorable it's it's horrible i just i can't i can't imagine what would would go through your mind when you're like oh okay what are we going to do pinky we're going to go steal some comic books i just i don't get it it doesn't make any sense to me why they would do that. And like you said, Kelly, the, the disruption of the normalcy that we've, the little bit of normalcy that we've gotten, the joy of being able to go into a shop or, you know, to have, you know, your file pulled and you get to see, you know, that week's comics. That's, that's a, that's a joy. And for some people, they're not going to get that. And that makes me so mad. There's just no reason for it. Do better. But, <clears throat> The next one, at least, is a bit of happy news when it comes to um, the D.C. far sector writer uh, N.K. Jemison. I hope I said that right. And if I, if I didn't, I'm sorry. But uh, she was named the, uh, the new MacArthur Fellows, which if you're not familiar with that program, what it is is annually they recognize people of outstanding talent to pursue their own creatives. And it's basically like getting a grant for them to expand on being you know a a writer or an artist um and it's something that i think is really really cool so i was really you know congratulations
1: for for winning it i think that that's awesome what about you brad did you yeah this is this is really really cool i'm really happy for her and i hope that maybe you know that she can keep continuing on with comics and she's got some prose novels but i've i've enjoyed far sector so i'd love to see her expand into the world of comics more so uh yeah i just congratulations to her and that's just that's really good news uh kelly
2: yeah i i haven't read far sector but now i really want to cuz that is um i mean that that's an incredible honor to get and just reading you know their their reasoning for her um I mean, wow! I need to read some of this woman's work because that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I and I do actually really it it warms my heart to see uh, comic book creators or comic book writers get recognized for you know the the art of what it is that they do. So even you know whether it's her prose novels, her comic book work, um, you know just to be able to recognize someone as you're really talented. And even if it's whether you're writing about superheroes or writing about fantasy or, you know, they, it it has value to society as a whole. And I think, um, if anything, I, the MacArthur program is a, a huge, huge indication of that. Um, so yeah, that that is absolutely awesome. And congratulations, because that is like, it, that's just incredible news.
0: Kendra? I'm in the same but I think it's such, I love seeing it. I love seeing that, you know, we're getting, there's, we get to see this bright light and it's this support for fellow creators because, I mean, you get to see it all the time. It's not easy always to be a creator. It's not, you know, you pick up your pencil or your computer or your tablet and you immediately become this well-known, well-wanted, you know, artist or writer So I really love that we're getting to see that art and that support in the art community. I love it. That was the the good news. And to follow it up with more good news. I mean, the next bit of, of information to come in was for the uh, Batwoman cat or Batman Catwoman number one, that's set to be released uh, in December. And we get to see all of the artists that are going to be contributing, not only either variant covers, but who are going to be doing the main covers. So we got, uh, Jen Bartel, Gabrielle Del Otto, Bruce Timm is going to be contributing a cover. And, of course, you know, we have Clay Mann who's going to be doing the primary cover, which is cool to see since him and Tom King work together on Heroes in Crisis. Um, I love that that we get to see all of these artist names coming because Bat, Bat, uh, Batman and Catwoman number one from from what I've heard about the premise of it is set to be really freaking cool, where we get a trifecta storyline. Uh, what did you think, Brad?
1: Yeah, I get more and more excited about this. Um, there's just a lot of cool things going on in the Batman world. Um, you know, I, I, I I've just recently completed uh, rereading Tom King's Run, so I'm I'm excited to see that continue. So just having this list of artists just makes that closer. And I, I really, really like these artists too. So I'm, 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 I'm psyched to see what, what they come up with. Uh, Kelly.
2: Yeah, the, this looks so fun. Um, and specifically, I mean, Bruce, Tim, that's, that's a huge point for me because I, I love his artwork. I love that cover too. Um and all, all of these just look fantastic. I mean, that one that wow, Batman and Catwoman have such a, a dark aesthetic and they I mean, they play off each other so well on the page, but all of these covers are just so fun to look at. There's so much going on, even though they're kind of, you know, dark and, and uh, you know, in the eternal night that is Gotham but it's they're they're still vivid and very um you know active on the page and it just looks amazing so i am very very excited to see this kendra
0: i think what i'm most excited for is seeing tom king come back because i know that among a lot of the fandom when he was doing the story with batman and catwoman and all of that build up not everybody was really satisfied with what happened There was a lot of grumbling, and I really do hope that people will give him, you know, I don't want to say the time of day because that makes it sound so much worse than I think it is, but I really hope that they give him a chance to tell this story that he's wanting to tell, because I know I'm going to be down for it. It'll even make me want to go back and and reread all of the lead-up, but I, I really, truly hope that it is as good as it looks like it's going to be, because it makes me excited to go out and to buy it in many of the different variant covers but it looks like the last bit we get is the most exciting and that is um news that came out at new york comic-con in regards to uh endless winter uh i know i've got a bit to say but i'll let you guys go first what did you guys think about the announcement brad
1: uh, this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, um, and it looks like it's going to be not like War of the Realms, which is good. It's going to distinguish itself. Um, uh, I always, you know, when, when, when you have these big event books, there's always like one kind of takeaway at least of changes going forward in the particular universe And it makes it's interesting because at the panel they said that endless winter was like uh, in Greek mythology happens before Ragnarok, so it makes me wonder what is what are they building up to even after this. And I like the idea that they are humanizing uh, the the Frost King. Uh, You know, I, I I like villains that are you know that you can sympathize with. And, uh, you know, a Norse god is, is not the easiest thing to relate to. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how they pull that off. And I, I really like that they are bringing in uh, Viking Prince because that's the perfect character to be in a story like this. And you can't go wrong with Swamp Thing. And I like the idea also that it's going to be told in different time frames. So, yeah, this should be an interesting, uh, fun story. Uh, Kelly?
2: Yeah, this—I mean, this is definitely an ambitious event, but I—I I, I like everything I see so far. Um, and and yeah, Brad, like you were saying, it is tough to make a a relatable or a you know a, a human feeling Norse god, but I'm certain that I—I'm not certain, but it sounds to me like they're going to have a really good grasp on this. And I liked the article also talked about some of the themes of uh the, of this event. And, uh, specifically there's going to be portions that are focused mainly on family and isolation. And I mean, at the very least, isolation is a huge, uh, you know, a huge issue that people have been facing throughout COVID. Um, so hopefully, you know, this story kind of plays into that and maybe uses that sort of modern feeling and how big of an issue that is right now to make us relate more to this, uh you know, this kind of bigger mythological idea. Um, But this looks so cool. And I think the first time we talked about this or when we just saw that it was going to be called Endless Winter, um, I feel like my my best guess was Mr. Freeze and I'm so far off, but I'm okay with how far off I was Mm because this actually sounds much cooler. What do you think, Kendra?
0: I remember that discussion because mine was that they were going to have a meeting of like all of the. The cold-based villains like Captain <laughs> Cold Captain and, and Mr. Freeze. And I still want that DC because I thought that was going to be cool. But Justice League Viking, I'm excited. I think that that's going to be so cool to see all of these well-known and beloved characters in the past and and to see them bring that to life. I think that's going to be really cool and to see them intertwine. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. I can't wait to see what else is going to come come from it because we're going to see it it listed in the article here. All of the titles that are going to be included in in this expanse. And I'm just like, okay. I love big events because it always makes you feel so anxious for what's to come. And you don't want to miss anything. And I'm afraid I'm going to miss anything. But this time I have a list, so I won't. (laughs) But... I mean that's that's really all the news that we we got this weekend. I mean it was a lot. There was a lot of big things that came out. Was there anyone that caught your your eye specifically, Brad?
1: Well, I I I think the endless winter definitely grabbed my attention, and also the Rorschach story. Um, you know, I I'm so. Used to stories of delays when it comes to the movies, that none of that struck me as uh as much of a surprise. I'm more surprised at this point when things actually get released, so yeah i think I think those the Rorschach and the endless winter were my favorite stories this week, Kelly,
2: yeah, yeah, I think um definitely the Rorschach that that one specifically just, it's, like, that weird mix of, like, I'm so excited and I'm so anxious, because I know it's just going to be emotionally devastating to read, but I still want to read it, so I, that's, that's the big one for me, and I I mean, Brad, like you said, it's, this, this whole year's kind of been the delay game, and it's all reasonable delays, so I think, you know, we're just going to have to expect to continue hearing stories like that, you know, foreseeably through to maybe 2022 at this point, but. I, you know, there's still great stuff coming out, and that's the most important part. What about you, Kendra? Oh,
0: it's so hard for me to pick one because a lot of these were exciting. I, I loved getting to see the different artwork for the covers that are coming out, not only for Wonder Woman 1984, but also for Bat, Batman, Catwoman. I keep trying to fuse their names together, and it, it, it can't work because there's already a Batwoman. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to pause myself. I'm like, dang. <laughs> I'm trying to share that cat that <laughs> cat <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited for it I'm, I am I, think that I think that given the reigns the stories that are going to be told between you know all of these Rorschach um you know Batman Catwoman getting to see the the Justice League Vikings it's exciting for a comic fan and I'm, I'm I'm here for it so that's it for us I, again, have been your host, Kendra Hale, and I am joined by some spectacular colleagues. Brad, where can everybody find you?
1: Uh, You can find me uh, writing news and reviews, DC Comics News. You can find me also on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast, also part of the DC Comics News podcast network. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1.
2: Kelly? Um, You can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. And you can also find me on our other show, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And you can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Wright. Kendra?
0: I can be found at Devour All Words on Twitter. I can also be found doing news reviews and opinion pieces for uh, Dark Knight News, as well as here on the DCN News podcast. And the Mad Love Harley Quinn cast, which you can find those. If you enjoy stuff like this, you can find us on anywhere that there are streaming services. Uh, That could be Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, you'll find us. Um, And when it comes to the social media, so that you can read some of the articles that we review, you can visit darknightnews.com, you can go to dccomicsnews.com, you can go to Twitter... Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, we're pretty much taking over the web. (laughs) I mean, we really are. But as we love to say at the end of all of our casts, we'll start with you, Brad. Everyone should read more comics. That's it, guys. Bye.